Hi, I'm Tim Lovejoy, and this is my award-winning podcast, The Lovejoy Hour. It's called The Lovejoy Hour because it's an hour long, and I'm Tim Lovejoy. Each episode, we have an hour of conversation with a celebrity, an expert in their field, or someone I just find interesting. The Lovejoy Hour, available now on Audioboom. Welcome to the Talk Darby to Me podcast, I'm Blake Fallows. Uh, this is hastily recorded because I'm sticking it out as a bonus, kind of, well not a bonus, just quicker than I thought it was going to go out. Um, we spoke to Stephen Barwater last week, uh, a week ago yesterday. Um, I was going to keep it in my back pocket to to just launch like I've launched the George Thorne podcast, but we're number two um, in the football podcast in the UK, number two. Behind uh, some bloke called, um, I'm going to have a look, Gary Neville. Yeah, the Gary Neville podcast, number one. Talk Derby to me podcast, number two. So I'm sticking this out there to say thank you to the thousands and thousands and thousands of people who have listened to George Thorne part two in the last two days. Cannot thank you enough. I genuinely cannot thank you enough for listening, putting up with my daft voice. Um, and listening to the bits in between where someone you're actually interested about is talking. So thank you so much. We're doing Derby Pride. We're, we're a community, Talk Derby to me, and we're doing Derby Pride. As ever, the people that make it happen, uh, it is, it's a little bit of me, but also Connect Red, Telecommunications, the Vodafone shop in the, uh, what's it called now, the Derbyan? Used to be the Into, the Westfield, whatever the centre's called in the middle of Derby. The Vodafone shop in there, Dan Atwell owns that, he supports us. Fran Brady, and SM, uh, who runs SMJ Brady in Derby, construction company and elite football development. Run by Benny Osborne, Jack Andrews and the rest of the elite football development crew. Go and follow all of them on social. That's If you want to thank me for the George Thorne thing that people keep sending me messages for, go and follow them. Please go and follow them because they support us so much. Today, it's Stephen Bywater, who I loved um, as a Derby fan when I was going all over the country as a youngster. He joined us last week, we had a chat, and we started uh, by talking about the uh, match-worn shirt that I've got of his that's behind me in my bedroom. Ground there! <laughs> I've just had to find it. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant! I took it down, it was up here, but I broke the glass on it, so I've just took it down to get some new glass in. Oh no, are you okay? Yeah, not bad, mate, are you? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. Let me just make my big screen a bit bigger, because I can't. There we go. Nice. Right, I think if, uh, I'm going to put this video up at some point, just a little clip of it, but um, anyone who knows me will know how excited I am. And Stevie Bywater's just seen the uh, the shirt that I've just uh, put behind me from the, uh, the Premier League season. So this is a big one for me. How are you, Steve? Stephen, I'm good, thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's a, it's an absolute pleasure. How are you at the minute? It's obviously difficult times, but how are you getting on? I'm good. I'm keeping busy. I've got uh, yeah, I've got a brand that I'm building, so I've got loads of different things going on. So I'm very lucky. So the thing is, you just need to keep active mentally. So mm. it's easy for me to keep physically active. Just go and do some press ups. You know what I mean? But anyone can do that. Anyone can do anything physically. But it's meant it's the mental challenges of not being able to go to the you know, to the coffee shop or breakfast out or, 
you know, I'm kind of a simple, I'm a kind of a simple guy. I don't really do anything extravagant other than, don't know, just like, just like being with friends and family. So I don't even, for me, the, the, the nightlife and that lot, yeah, once a week, once every couple of weeks, but I'm not a person who's uh, socially active every single day. So it's, uh, it's not really affected me that much, to be honest, except for that going out for coffee. Is that is that uh, your brand? The hat you've got on this now? It's me cap. Yeah, this is one of my caps. Yeah, I wear it all the time. I've got I've got really long hair, so um, I wear my caps all the time. Right, before we get into football, because I'm growing right at the minute. So any tips for growing your hair? We'll get that out of the way. Be patient. You really? got to just let it grow. And once it starts growing, it just goes like <laughs> my hair's like this long. Oh wow! You know what I mean? So I'm the Undertaker. <laughs> I call myself Aquaman. I'm on the gym doing the chin-ups like Aquaman. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. So I've got like really, really long hair. So it's taken yeah. me since since that uh, top there to grow all this. Yeah. It's taken me years. <laughs> but yeah. You put that in it? Any, any oil or is it just, just be patient? Nah, I'm a simple. You just have to just grow it and just be patient and just style it out as you go along. But yeah, it's, uh, it looks well on you. It looks well. Yeah, it's getting getting there. I did ask yeah. a, a hairdresser friend of mine said uh, any tips for going here, and she just went, "Don't cut it." And I thought it's that simple, isn't it? <laughs> trim a little bit, but don't cut it. Yeah, don't cut it, but trim a little bit. But yeah, I'm a uh, got my caps. I got loads of different products coming out. So yeah, it's uh, it's good. If I like it, if I want to do it, I'll make it. Like boxer shorts, I like boxer shorts, so mm. I'll make them. But yeah, but I don't want to make them. I need to make them the best. So it's smart that cap that is. It's all smart. right. Yeah. I've got, they've got a white, white coming out. I've got black, black. I've got black and gold. I've got loads of different uh, caps, but they're all, they're all really well made. So, yeah. Mm, quality. Well, take, as we always start on this, on this podcast yeah. from, from the very start, what are your first, first memories of football and, and kind of getting into the game? I just remember going, playing on the streets with my mates. There must've been about 15 to 20 of us just knocking about on the streets, playing Wally and playing, you know, on the streets. And then the local club opened up and we all went, playing there we're all different age groups so uh, it was good so we had two or three in one two or three in the other and we just just remember going to the park playing with my mates and that's the earliest memories of playing football and then just enjoying it and having something to do you know what I mean it's a real focus which is a shame like what's going on now that the kids like in communities where there's not much going on to, to they're missing the football they're missing the team sport so I just remember how lucky I was that I had a group of lads and I used to just go and play football with them Always a keeper? No, I used to be a defender. I used to, used to like tackling people and getting stuck in. And then I just went in goal one day and I just I just loved diving about. And I just loved, there's a, there's a level you can tackle, but you can tackle and catch a ball and dive and just be, you know, just, I don't know, get, get your energy taken out and diving about, getting up, down, up, down. Can they beat me? It's a challenge. So I just like the challenge of, you know, people, can you score past me? You're giving, you're giving it your best. Can you can you uh, score past me? And I and I like that. It's kind of a buzz, isn't it? It's like um, mano mano. It's like yeah, I liked it. I grew up as a goalkeeper. Neil, people always used to say that you've got to be a bit nuts to be a keeper. Do you think? Do you think that's right? I just think you need to be different. Yeah, not nuts. Just need to be different. You need to be. To be honest, any any sport that's um, that you rely on yourself, uh, tennis, I don't know, uh, rug, uh, boxing. Um, anything that you're on your own, you're kind of on your own in goal. And that's that mentality of being able to uh, deal with anything. And um, yeah, that's why you're different. You're able to do it on your own. Outfield players, you can bounce 
passes off people and you can you can work with your right winger if you're a right back or you can work with your central mid. but a goalkeeper it's you you stand alone a lot of the time in the games mm-hmm. uh, so yeah i just i just think you need to be different Ment- mentally strong and physically strong as well you got um, well, obviously you got into Rochdale and got your move to West Ham quite early. But at what age did you get into kind of? I don't know if it was academy football at, at that time and how, how it worked. But how did you get into? It, it was a centre of excellence back then. So basically, scouts from the teams like they do now, they'd go and um, go and look on Sunday League football, and they'd say, "Do you fancy coming down for a trial and just to train with the local people who are uh, doing these uh, centre of excellence?" Uh, but now I think it's different. They still go and watch, but they're mainly watching the, cent- the, the actual academies now because it's kind of like they've all filtered through into academies at every age, really, like under seven. So uh, the scouts are out there, but I just don't think they go to watch the Sunday league as much as they should because uh, you miss a trick there. And it's more like the facilities are nice. Oh, you get a nice coffee. You, you know, you got to get down to the realism of there's a person out there who plays on a Sunday for his local team. And the way they develop, it's uh, it's different. Everyone develops at a different age. I was quite a late developer. Uh, I used to be like uh, a bit chubby and a bit, and not short, but a bit, you know, just chubby and a bit short. So, and then I grew from 14. I just grew and I got stronger. So, uh, I it was academies, it was so sense of excellence. Scouts would come and watch, and you just go on into their system. But systems are getting bigger now, they're under sevens at my age, it was like under 12s, 13s. So the nets widened, and I was just lucky, really. That I was that uh, I, got, I got taken to games by my dad, and and that was it. And I got to play, so that's all it is just playing. Any chance, any chance you can get to, you just got to play. Before we go on to going to, to West Ham, I, I, I'm glad you brought your dad up because I saw every game you played for Derby and I went home and away and there was a lot of games when I sat next to your dad and like really? Nash's dad and, like, and I always used to go and it was always hello Mr Bywater and he'd go he was everywhere wasn't he watching you he was everywhere yeah he was watching everywhere home away he just loved it he loved the uh, he was very social he loved he loved the the atmosphere of being with supporters and he was a he was a big football supporter himself not just with me but clubs in general football he'd love to talk about it he'd he loved to. He, my uncle would travel all the time. My best mates would travel all the time. So, uh, yeah, when I was playing, it was more of a it was more of a life, which it is now. It's a life. It's a proper lifestyle for everyone, and and we all make sacrifices, whether you're a player or a supporter. And um, I knew that. I knew that I was there to play for whichever team I played for. I was committed hundred percent for that club because I had a family that was brought with football. My mates would go, and it was. It was it was your everything for the weekend, and then and the build up was like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday for the Saturday. So it's it's just a lifestyle, and everyone to do with sport as a it's a lifestyle. And those who say oh uh, people don't sacrifice and all this like everyone sacrifices in football because it's the industry. I know it's it's uh, it's it's more than just a sport for me. Are you missing it the the day in day outside? No, because I've got I've got other challenges. I've got to um, I've got I'm got this is my second career. Um, I do some volunteering at Burton with the under 18s because they're still active. Uh, so I, I go in one one day a week to help the goalkeepers out, and that's to to help my friend, to help myself, um, and to to help the under 18s. Because when I was 18, you had a life outside of football, which was go to the cinema with your mates or go for a pizza, pizza express with your mates. And these people don't have that at the moment. So if I can go there and give them a give them an, uh, an a boost you know I'll say you know are you doing your fitness at home I know it's hard I know there's no gyms open but can you do your press-ups and your lunges and your you know make use of your space you've got just to give them a tick over 
So um, I'm not missing the day to day because I've got a business to run and I've got a brand to make. Um, but yeah, I still give back by by giving my time to, to helping the under 18s out at Burton. So you're that role model for for young lads now when you had Les Seeley and uh, the shirt the army's got the 43 on it, which was um, in memory of him, obviously. Um, how big an impact did he have on you uh, at a young age? Yeah, he get he uh, he looked after me like a like a son. So he's like my uh, he was like my dad down south. Um, he took me in. I uh, I get on well with his with his with his son now, Joe Seeley, and it's like a family. So, but he uh, he was very passionate. He wanted the best out of everyone, and uh, he took me under his wing. He, you know, he he took me out in his car to drive to learn to drive when I was seventeen and different things, and showed me you know, different ways and different attitudes of people and how you should act and and what you've got, what it takes to be a footballer um, as well as a man, as well as a, as well as a, a person in, in a, in a sport where you're lucky to be in. Uh, so that's what he taught me. And I want to pass that on. It's, it's a, it's a, it's tough. It's tough out there for absolutely everyone, to be honest, not just football, but absolutely everyone just to try and be the best you can be because there's people out there that um, try and chop you down because they want to be where you are. And uh, it's not no different to probably a, being an accountant or being a doctor. They want that slot in the in that agency or a, a counsellor who wants a, a slot. You know, everyone's trying to be the best they can be and it's competition. So it's, he taught me how to deal with competition. And he said, if you ever say something, you make sure you can follow it through. So if I said I was going to do something, I'd make sure I do it. And that's what I live my life. If I say I'm going to do, I can interview you, I'll do it. You know what I mean? It's you, you don't let yourself down. You don't let other people down. So it was a big influence on not only just football, but how you should act as a man as well. Did you have to grow up quickly being 16, going down from Rochdale down to London and playing for higher Redknapp? Was it a big kind of culture shock at, at 16? Did you have to grow up quick? Uh, not not really, because like I said, Les looked after me like a dad. Um, but I'm, 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 I'm mentally strong. I, I know... I've got to do what I've got to do. And if it means living on my own, cooking beans on toast on my own, or or being amongst people that are, that are older, that are more experienced, I don't fear anything. I just embrace it all. You need to be able to um, be single-minded and think, do you know what? I'm going to be the best person I am. I don't, it doesn't matter what age I am. It's I'm 16. This is, this is your life. Whether you're 12, 15, you want a life that you want to lead. So if you want to be a, a radio DJ or a, a dancer or a, anything you want to be and you want to do it, you've got to go all in, haven't you? So that's what I was doing at 16. I was in a change room with Rio Ferdinand and Frank Lampard. And yeah, they were playing first team football and it was, it was exciting. It was, it was, yeah, I, I'm, I believe in myself and I believe I'm good enough to be here and I'm just going to enjoy it and have a good go. And that was my attitude. But I always realised that um, I was very lucky. Did you always know you were going to, make a career out of football Would yeah never... I never, do you know what we you do work experience at school and uh i knew i just put down i'm gonna be i'm gonna be a footballer so i did my work experience at rochdale but the teacher said you've got to have something else Stephen." so just for a bit of banner when i was 14 I, I just said i'll be a chambermaid then or something because I, I just put down something to give them just to show them but i was never really going to be that i was going to be a footballer and uh it's that single mind, it's that determination to, to doesn't matter what standard you are, if you can make a make a career in football uh, that you want to, then you've you've cracked it because it's not about the money, it's about playing. 
And that's what I always believed. My mum always said, you know, you've got to play football, Stephen, to be a footballer. <laughs> so <laughs> I had to play it. Well, I get bantered all the time because I also do a podcast. It says Lovejoy up here with Tim Lovejoy, who's on Soccer AM, and he always says, well, you never played football because you're a goalkeeper. So I have to have an argument with him twice a week saying the, the, the same argument. But, uh, goalkeepers. Goalkeepers are ballers now. They're, you know what I mean? They're, they're ballers now. <laughs> Would you survive now in the Prem <laughs> with the feet? <laughs> If I was in a good team and didn't touch the ball, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd adapt. I'd adapt. Do you know what I'd do? I'd just, go, I'd just train myself every single day. And to be fair, the last couple of years of my career, I had to use my feet a lot more. So I kind of did loads of practice. And I was, I was actually comfortable with my feet, even though people thought I probably wasn't. I actually was genuinely comfortable with my feet um, because I'd been practicing right foot, left foot. So, yeah, the, the older I got, the, the more I learned how to be better and better. I went to, uh, I, went, I did a tour of the Man City training ground um, not so long ago, about four years ago. And that there, I saw all the facilities that these young uh, athletes are having now. And I was literally changed my life from that. You know, I went home and I did extra and I did extra and I did extra to be fitter, to be stronger, to be faster. So when you say about the football and the feet skills, I actually did loads of feet work, loads left foot, right foot, touch, pass, open your body out, back foot, receive. So I, I did it all. So you've got to adapt with the times. And and if you don't, you're a dead duck, aren't you? So everyone has to adapt with the times. Technology, I bet you have to adapt to the technology of what you can use and stuff. And Yeah, yeah. I, didn't even know what Zoom, I didn't even know what Zoom was 12 months ago. Now we use it every day. You have to adapt <laughs> with the times. And if you don't, you sink, don't you? So it's just evolution. I would have, I would have been all right with my feet if I'd have had to play. I could never imagine when Derby were in the Prem in the top eight, like Mark Poom just getting one and just clipping one straight to the left wing, straight on someone's foot, and then keeping the ball. It's just that it just seems the norm now, doesn't it? Yeah, but I tell you, I tell you, the norm is though. The norm is for a, an outfield player to be ready to receive it and to want it. Yes. So the keeper, has he got the option to pass it? possibly not when you're looking at Derby County and Pume in the Premier League do you know what I mean so now yeah. it's all play off in the back so as a keeper you're going to you're going to know your options because you're trained because when you're doing training you are trained as a goalkeeper so when you get that ball back you know that your left back's on or your right back's on it was different nowadays different uh, back in them days nowadays yeah. you're trained every single day yeah I love the passion Absolutely yeah. love it. Yeah, it's brilliant. Are you like this when you're when you're talking to young lads? Like you've yeah, I want them to do well. I do. I'm I'm energetic. I've got passion. In, I've got passion everywhere. I'm mm. passionate about everything. I want my I want my family to be passionate about what they do, whatever they do. I want my I want the people I'm around to be passionate. I don't want to be around people who are don't know who are not passionate or negative. I don't like negativity. It's just if I can if I can turn someone from negative into a positive then that's great so i don't think people should be negative about life it's you know you gotta you gotta live life to to full and i'm a very positive person and that's all i can say i just maybe passionate positive um yeah that's you know what that's why i probably survived in football for, for like two decades because people want to be around positive people and and i'm a team player so that's it yeah, no, I love, just love football. I love life and I love like different, I love how people offer different things in life as well. You know, it's, it's great, isn't it? Trying to get the best out of someone that you don't really know much about, but you're going to try and get the best out of people. It's just one of them things, isn't it? Um, yeah. yeah. I don't know you, but I, got, I like you because you've got a good smile. So, <laughs> you know, you got a good smile. So, yeah, it's good. It's, it's, I'm bouncing off you because you seem, you're not like, um, 
you're not wooden, you're not, um, and if you were, I'd try and relax you, but you relax, so it's good, isn't it? Yeah, no, I, no, I like that. Yeah, this smile's got me out of a lot of trouble in the past. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we'll get on to Darby in one in a sec. Just, I just wanted to speak about get um, because it always intrigues me how you first break into football. So can you remember getting your first chance at West Ham and, and getting into professional football and how that came about? It was mainly at Rochdale. Yeah. Yeah, Rochdale, that gives you the first break because um, I was a believer that, well, my dad was a believer that you should be a big fish in a small pond. And um, I think some parents nowadays think, oh, Man City, Man U, Chelsea, you know, they're big clubs and it's great. And if, if that's what you want to do, then that's great. But if you think Rochdale, let me, let, let me, let me break it down. Rochdale, they're a small club. Look at their team. If they can produce anyone who's any good, they'll sell you on, right? In order to sell you on, they've got to play you in the first team. They've got to give you the experience. And it's like a slingshot. Rochdale's a smaller club. Chelsea's a bigger club. So you're really putting yourself back a bit, but it propels you because you go from a, from a, a... big fish in a little pond you get the experience you get the knowledge you get the coaches you get the passion of someone trying to make you a player to feed through the small club to then get the games to then you propel yourself onto a platform to make you even better but at the right stage because it's important at the right stage you're at the right level for you to progress for the future it's very short term to think oh my son Mickey plays at under sixes at Chelsea. He's going to be the best player ever. Very short term, that is. He plays at Chelsea, which is fantastic. He's six, but what's the chance of him playing the first team when he's 17? Very, very little. But if you're at Rochdale or a smaller club like that, you've got a great chance. Mm. You've got a great chance. But it's just like with anything. You can lead people to, to anything and they don't necessarily take the option. But I'm a believer that nowadays is. There's an education in football at all levels. People are getting better. The coaches are getting better. Everything's getting better. So you kind of like can pick whichever club you want to be at, really, because you're going to progress as a player. Yeah. So that's I just remember being a, a small fish in a big pond, a big fish in a small pond, which is Rochdale, and getting the experience. Yeah. And and coming to Derby, then I can remember you coming in, and um, at the time. I think in goals we had uh, we had Campy was there. Campy's been on a few times. He's he's actually presented one that we're going to do in a Has few. It? Yeah, so he's been on three or four times and and granting. How did how did you first come about getting the the move to Derby under under Billy? I was just training at uh, West Ham and uh, Ludic McCloskey said, "Oh, the manager wants to see you," and I just thought, right, <laughs> if the manager ever wants to see you, you're going. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I was like, if you ever wanted to see me as a goalkeeper. You're moving on. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I just went over to Alan Pardo on the training ground and he said, we've had a club in for you, uh, Derby Counter. He said, you're not going to play here. I said, no problems. And he said, just go and enjoy yourself. And he said, we'll let you go. So that was it, really. Really? What was your first impressions coming to... Because you came in right literally as as it kind of exploded that season. So what were your first invent, impressions coming in? Uh, just, I liked the manager when I spoke to him. Uh, I like the chairman. I spoke to Mr. Gadsby on the phone. Um, I love the training facilities. I knew the club had history anyway, because uh, my dad would bang on about all the history of your clubs. You know, if any club he'd bang on, he'd say this and they'd done this. And uh, so I just knew it. And I just got to the training ground. I just liked, I liked the passion. Like you say, you like the passion. I like the passion of the chairman, you know, and the, 
and the, the manager and the direction they're all going. And then <clears throat> once you experience the support, it's like, yeah, it's on. And that's it. You think everyone's behind. It's a family club. Everyone's pulling in the same direction. And then when I got to meet the, 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 the players, there was an instant click, an instant, there was no animosity. There was no jealousy. There was no, you were there to do a job for each other. And that's what I liked. Do you think they were kind of, or the side were kind of underdogs that season? Because they didn't have that mentality of, of being a, a team that were favourites and they were, we were going along getting 1-0 wins and just they weren't taken seriously until Christmas or the November when we went unbeaten. But were you kind of an underdog? Uh, we just we didn't expect anything, but we were just a team. We were just a team, a, a group of lads who were gifted in, in working as a team. We were gifted in that, and that's a skill as itself. Get a group of lads that want to pull the pull in the same direction, even if you're not playing, even if you're not even in the squad. You still wanted the club to do well because you enjoyed being there, and you enjoy being there because of the um, well, the manager, the staff, the the catering, the the sector. Everything, everyone there was on the same wavelength, and we did kept get, getting the one nil wins. But you know, I always I've always said that it's the um, it's the lucky teams that go up and it's the unlucky teams that go down. So yeah. I just thought we were lucky. We were we were a lucky team, and uh, we was only going up. Yeah. Well, I always felt that at the time. Um, I've got a speech about the gaffer. Yeah. The time, Billy Davis. What What was he like? Was he Was he different to anything you'd you'd had before? He's a bit of an enigma, isn't he? Uh, he's just very passionate, but he's very. Uh, he wants to. He, he wants to know what everyone's doing, and he wants to be the top of the tree, overseeing everything. And I didn't, I liked that. Uh, yeah, you, you knew as a manager and he had a structure in place that you were there at a certain time, you did this at a certain time. And uh, if you didn't do it, he'd, make, he'd already know. And uh, yeah, he implemented it. He was very disciplined. I liked him. So yeah, he, um, he was good, but he was very paranoid about what other people would think. And sometimes you'd go off a bit of a tangent about what other people would think. And he'd be like, you know, forget what they're going to say. And and we're here together as a team, but that's it. He's. Uh, I've had quite a few phone conversations with him. He's got a good knack of making you feel like you take the world on, even me doing this. And you come off the phone a little bit. But I spoke to him earlier and um, I said, I'm speaking to you. And he just he did that. He just said, what a great lad, determined winner, um, full of fun and great in the dressing room. And he wanted me to ask you about the, his early morning training sessions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he called me a fat bastard. Did he? <laughs> yeah. Played against Hull in the first game, he went, Stephen, you're a fat bastard. Get in, get in, do some running. Honestly, yeah. Well, you sure you used to come in early and just do a bit of running before everyone else? Yeah, I used to be at 7 o'clock, maybe 6.30, go for a run. Really? Yeah, about six miles, five, six miles, dead easy, just whack it out. It, it, did it do you good, though? I lost loads of weight. <laughs> but <laughs> the thing is, though, what Billy didn't know, right, I, I, was, I was a big guy, yeah, kind of like... Not he- not heavy looking, but I was kind of heavy, but I could run. I was fit. So he didn't know that because he'd only seen me play at Hull, take my top off and that. Like he thought, oh, he's a big guy and he could lose weight. I was I was never ripped, ripped, do you know what I mean? Like ripped and shredded. Uh, I was always strong. So when he when he saw me, he said, Yeah, fat he pulled me in his office, yeah, fat bass. So literally I went out with bin bags on every morning to, to just to sweat it out. And I went from about 95 kilos to 86 kilos. Wow. Yeah, so I lost about nine kilos, which is which is good going, really, isn't it? But, it is, yeah. But that's your your attitude again. If like if you get told to like you're you're going to do it, aren't you? You've, you've yeah, you tell that. me something and I'll do it. I'll go. I'll do anything to, for the cause. So yeah, he made me do it and I did it. And do you know what? I can run. Yeah, 
Yeah, I can imagine how, how fit you are because you can see it in your in your attitude and how you are on the pitch and everything. I can yeah, just anything that he says. I, 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 but the thing is, the manager, you're the manager, right? You're the person that the book stops at. So mm. if he's going to ask me to play, and I'm not doing what he wants, then I'm letting him down and I'm letting myself down. So do as the manager says. Go and have a run in the early mornings and and see how it goes. And it worked out really well, didn't it? Because I was I was a fit goalkeeper and we end up getting promotion. He also asked you to say, ask about the evening after the playoff final win, embarrassing me and my wife in the reception area. Oh, I had a few. T- I think I might. I wasn't <laughs> really. I was. Do you know what? I think I was lay star star fishing on the on the floor as he was going up, and I can't remember what I was saying. But yeah, <laughs> I wasn't really. Um, yeah, I had a few drinks that night, and I'm not. I'm not a drinker. I'm not. A, Are you I'm not? not a, no, I. Um, I was teetotal till I was 27. Wow, that's brilliant. Yeah, and then I had a, a year at Derby County with, uh, with with a good school of players. So I ended up having a few drinks, mixing mixing in with the lads, and then literally after that season, I didn't drink again. So it was like a real. It was a. It was a real season of absolutely everything. Life was just flipped, turned upside down, and I was doing absolutely everything. I was. I was burning both ends of the candle and it and it worked. <laughs> I'd moved a... moved out and yeah, and got to know some lads and we had characters. We had a good we had a good mixture of characters from young to old to experienced to fresh. And uh yeah. Wait, that was my next question. Cause I when I think back to that squad, I think characters, you go all the way through the spine of the team of like Darren Moore, um obviously Matt Oakley, Steve Howard, and then you you still got mates with Pesh, I, I think for Pesh, good mates with Pesh, Seth Johnson, he's a good lad. Yeah, yeah. These are all like a, that's like a solid half a dozen of like big characters mm. all pushing in the same direction. So Billy Davis would make us literally go out once a month as a team, whether it be go-karting. And we just used to love it, going out together and then just being together at nights and just during the day. And everyone was like, everyone cared. That's all it is. Everyone cared about everyone on and off the pitch. And any time I've had success, it's because those people care, not just for themselves, but for everyone on the pitch. Is it underrated the effect that, that can have nowadays, the, having that them characters and having that uh, spirit in the change room? Is that an underrated characteristic, do you think? I think you notice it even more now as a, as, a, as, a, as a supporter, as a journalist. You know when your team aren't clicking right. And you'll be able to see who it is, how many of them there are, and why they're not doing it because of the media. He's not playing well because he's got other things on his mind. He's not playing well because he's got uh, issues or something. And uh, You know what I mean? Because you know, look at Liverpool last year, Klopp, and then you see the after parties with the, when they won the promotion on the Twitter and the social media, of them having like um, having a few drinks and that lot. He's, you could tell they had a bond. And, and I actually actually went to, um, I was a season ticket with um, for that season, which was cut short. But even on the pitch, you could see how they were just working for each other. And I just think you, 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 everyone who's outside of football can actually look within the clubs and see, well, that's why they're not doing so well because they're just not gelling well. So it was important for me and it's important for a team, but I think it's even more important now because the outside world are on your case if you, if you, if they sense it. So I think if you look at the, the playoff semi-final, we'll get to in the set. So there's one more game I want to ask you about before we get to, to playoffs in, in, in Wembley. You, that kind of team spirit, you could see it as a Derby fan that these, these lads are they're, they're there for each other. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, but 
But then the supporters were like there for us as well. Do you not understand that? So it's yeah. like a ripple effect. Yeah. yeah, it's a ripple effect because the supporters, if you made a mistake, they didn't care. They just wanted you to not make another one. Whereas if you make a mistake and they're on you on your back and oh, you know, he's not playing well, there's no negativity. It was just like it's just a ripple effect, isn't it? Mm. But and it's the other way as well from the supporters to the players and players to supporters. It's like you, you feed off each other, you bounce off each other, and then suddenly you're working at 10% better than your opposition because they're not getting the same feed and the same, they're not getting the same food, are they? They're not getting the same energy. And yeah, that's what um, that's what I believe at Derby County had that whole season. So yeah, that's that's kind of the Billy. That's what Billy's good at. Wherever he's had success when he went to Forest, it was kind of it, it's us against the world. But then when the fans buy in with it, the, the whole everyone gets behind it, don't they? And it's, yeah, it's a wind up, isn't it? It's a yeah. wind up. It's a, it's a wind up. It's how you wind it up to 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 get the every advantage that you can. So he was good at that, and um, he kept saying, "We're all going to benefit. We're all going to every time we win, we all benefit." Everyone, the supporters, the families, you, me, we all benefit when we win. So we just got to a point where we just didn't didn't see ourselves losing. Mm-hmm. One of the, the games just before we got to the the end of that season was Ipswich away when uh, you got sent off. What what are your memories of that day? Because I remember being the away end and thinking, oh God, we've sipped up a bit here now. Yeah, no, I just remember getting kicked on the corner. And I turned around and it was like Steve Bruce's lad, wasn't it? And Steve Bruce's that was, was Bruce, uh, yeah. And because you're all hyped up, you probably think, oh, he's been told to kick him because he's at a competition. Birmingham's a competition, isn't it, at the time with the table. So you just go off in a tangent with your head. And I just thought, why has he just done that? I said, oh, he ref, you know, seems to boot me there. But I can't stand for that. That's lack of respect, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. And people try and get away with it. But at the time, I didn't want anyone to, I wanted it to be known. That, uh, I wasn't going to be a cheap shot. You're not a cheap shot, are you? In goal, you just stood there, you know, watching the ball. You can be a cheap shot for anyone, can't you, really? Uh, so I wasn't having that. And I just remember getting sent off and then we lost. And it was like, doesn't matter because we're going to win the next one. Did you have a little word of him in the tunnel? Couldn't get near him. Did you try? Yeah. No, I just was following him. And I just thought, Seth, Seth Johnson said to me on the pitch, are you going to stand for that? And I went... <laughs> I went, no. <laughs> so then, so he'd already gone in, but yeah. See, we had characters like that. You're going to stand for that. I went, no. <laughs> he just mugged you off. <laughs> you can't do that. He just booted you in the chin. He just booted you in the ankle and he just, he just, just gone off. But uh, since then, I've been alone at Ipswich and I actually get on with Alex Bruce. He's actually a funny guy. He's actually yeah. all right. Yeah. So he's, he's a wind up. So he's probably done that to wind me up, which worked. And then I got sent off. So, and they won the game. So, they probably uh, and Birmingham went up. Birmingham went up. They Ipswich won, and for the sake of a sending off, they don't care. And and to be honest, neither do I now. I can look back and say we got up. Exactly. Well, I was just about to say it all turned out all right in the end, didn't it? Obviously, it's a path of life. That's what it is. You know, I I, um, I made a mistake, got sent off, and that was it. Shouldn't have sworn. Shouldn't have uh, got involved. Should have just taken it on the ankle. What um, what are your memories of the the semi-finals and obviously the the big day in the the amazing win at Wembley. Uh, semi-finals. I just remember it being Southampton. It was always a good, good pitch and good, 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 good ground to go to. You know what I mean? For supporters, for for players, for everyone. It's just a really nice ground, nice people, nice atmosphere, and it was a nice day. And I just remember winning. 
that's all I can remember winning and then getting on the bus and on the way home we had a few drinks and just had a had a nice chat and we were buzzing and a few of the lads went out afterwards and uh, the next day we we're in training and uh, Darren Moore saying to me Stephen some of the lads have gone out you know it's done professional we've got a big game Tuesday they should be staying in right and then Stevie out and me are like yeah terrible terrible and it was me and Stevie out and a few of the lads that were out anyway <laughs> we just wanted we just wanted uh, Darren Moore to go yeah yeah yeah, yeah it's terrible isn't it it's terrible we just wanted to appease Darren Moore but uh, he was he was an ultra professional but that's what we did we just got together and we wasn't we didn't go stupid we just liked to talk about what we'd just done we'd just gone to Southampton and beat Southampton I think Morrow thought we should have been in bed at nine o'clock. <laughs> but it's that team spirit again that in the second leg when it's a bit topsy-turvy and it's a bit on top at some point, it's that team spirit drags you through once again, doesn't it? It's the fight inside you. You're fighting for people who, who care and who's... Uh, it's life-changing, you know, trying to get the opportunity to play in the Premier League. Cool, it's life-changing for the supporters as well to watch watch Premier League football. It's, uh, it's life-changing for that specific period of time, you know, all the... The community, the whole area literally buzzes. Parking, shops, you know, takeaways, restaurants, hotels. You know, there's a massive difference between championship football and premiership premiership football. And it's not just about what's on the pitch. It's about absolutely everything in the city. Mm. And, uh, yes, fashion, clothes, shops, um, everyone just want to be in Derby. That weekend that Man U play, that Chelsea play, that Arsenal play, there's a real buzz and uh, yeah, I, I knew that and so did the players because with your experienced players, you, you had players who had played in that top flight and it didn't just mean you as a team. It was the supporters, it was the industry, it was the businesses, it was everything. The whole city would, would transform really for that period of time. So yeah, it's always the bigger picture. Well, before and we've had a, we've had Pesky on before, and he told us a brilliant story about being told to go down in training and whatnot, and so he could start. It was like a surprise. I'd say another Billy Davis story of like even you don't want any media seeing or anything. So he took you away for a few days, didn't he? Before before the final, took us away to Shamnis, yeah, because this is the truth, right? He saw a plane. Did he, did he tell you this? No, he didn't tell. Him. No, no, he didn't hear this. Billy Davis, like he saw a plane in the air, right? And he went, lads, stop! Don't move! Don't move! Everybody in! So we're like, what? Is everyone in? He said, there's a plane spying on us. It's West Brom, they're spying on us. We're not training here. They've got a plane spying on our tactics. So we're going to Champneys. And we're like, what, really? He's on, yeah. And that's, you know, <laughs> he wanted the detail because he wanted no one to see anything. And uh, I swear, I, I swear on my life, right? I did not know that Pesh was starting and I was roommates with him. And it was only until I did an interview about six months ago that he actually said, yeah, Billy Davis was like um, keeping it a secret for Pesh with Pesh. And then he starts, because I always thought he'd had a bad hamstring or something. He said his hamstring was sore and he said he doesn't know if he's playing or not. So it was only literally six months ago that my roommate, I knew he was playing, you know, so that he, he was that detailed in in keeping everything in-house that he, even within the within the squad, he wouldn't tell tell what was going on. And on the day, uh, is it fair to say, Dob, we rode a look a little bit? Yeah, we did. We we, uh, we defended well. You know, we got we got uh, we defended well all year, and it was hard for us to uh, to well, it was hard to, to to concede. You know, we we never we never looked like we uh, we if we scored, we'd win. And until that point, if the other team didn't score, we had a right chance. So that was it. We only needed one or one or two chances. Pesh missed a chance in the first half and then we got a goal in the second half and that was game over it was good night wasn't it yeah but it was 
it was uh, the build-up and everything was like, it was like we shouldn't be there, but we are there, you know, from the outside world. And we were there because we deserve to be there. Does and, that help uh, though? Take the take the pressure off though. If you if you've got people thinking that, do you just have you got nothing to lose, or do you feel like oh I've got to go out and show them? Uh, not really show them. It's just really you're just in a in a zone where it's another game, but you've got to win, and I can't see me losing. That was it. It's another game. We're gonna win, and we're definitely not losing, and we're even not losing now because it's at Wembley. And uh, it was the first game at Wembley, and uh, since the new Wembley opened at the playoffs, and uh, yeah, we just we were just confident. But we, you're in a zone when you when you're in that you're in a bubble really with all your your closest that want the same objectives as you and the same goals. There's no negativity, and it's just all positive and it's all front foot forward and it's all like let's go. You didn't think about losing because there was no negativity. There was no one in the camp that was wanting us to lose or there wasn't people in the camp that were thinking they were going to do something better next year. Because what happens is, towards the end of the year, you get people who are going, oh, I'm not going to be at the club. I'm going to be somewhere else, so I don't really care. Yeah, That's the truth of it. But Derby was like, oh, if we win, I'm going to get the opportunity of playing the Premier League next year, whether I'm sub now, because opportunities come come and go, don't they? Whether you're playing in now or the start of the season, people get injured in pre-season, you get the opportunity to play. So it was all like, we're all literally running to the to the finish line together and that's how it felt oh it's class there's, there's certain things i remember from that day there's obviously like uh, kevin phillips at the bar in the, in yeah. the first half uh, the tyrone mears's tackle on on kumas where he really just, just there's, like, there's still moments where you think it's our day isn't it where you think them just it's our day the, the weather was weather wasn't great either it wasn't going to be it, it was cold it was a bit drizzler it, suit, it suited our semi-final weather. Do you know what I mean? The, the weather was, wasn't was like it bright and, you know, that gets, um, that takes people by surprise. They think Wembley, May, you know, we, we were we were ready for anything because we didn't care. <clears throat> well, I got I got a tenner because I was only about 14 at the time. I got a tenner yeah. to spend on a day and I went to JD Sports on Wembley Way and bought some gloves. That's one of my memories. It was that cold. It was that- <laughs> so a week, two weeks before, a week before, or just before we played in the final, the kit man said to me, Stephen, what, what do you want for your kit? Because we're doing this new kit for this final. And I said, get me some short sleeve. Get me a short sleeve shirt. Oh, that's gonna... right, yeah, the green short sleeve. Yeah. Blue, yeah, blue. And I cut blue, it off. Yeah, yeah, blue, off and I yeah. said, Davo, I'll have short sleeve because, you know, all these, all these in May and all these, uh, you know, European goalkeepers, they all look really good, don't they, with the, sh- with the sheet, short sleeves, get their arms out, nice weather, be able to throw it out, look good. And it was it was freezing, holding, holding the pose, <laughs> yeah, holding the pose and everything, yeah. And uh, it was freezing, it was wet. And what happens when it's wet? All your arms get wet, and then you're greasy like the ball. And I was just thinking, cool, if any of them balls scoop on my arms and slip out, it's because I've got the wrong top on. Oh wow! Uh, I can remember you coming out, and it was a different kit for that day, wasn't it? And I remember thinking, you know, I've never seen a derby keeper from short sleeve before. Yeah, it was very I was the first one. So I was, I was, I was raising the levels. <laughs> Uh, have you seen it? Yeah, might have seen some since then, but no, I've set the trend off there with Derby County and short sleeves, yeah. Well, the, the thing is now, they, they have the short sleeves, but they have the underarm underneath and all that, don't It's not the same. Yeah, they, they try it, don't they? Try it without the underarm, be a, be a proper goaler. In a playoff final when it's pissing down. <laughs> yeah, when it's soaking wet, it's freezing cold. The pitch was terrible because it kept cutting up because it was newly laid, yeah. Oh, but, uh, yeah, and try and win as well. <laughs> make it harder yeah the other um, the other big memory from that day and I bet people were probably shouting at you for for a few years after was the uh, 
get your hat at. Yeah, that was... <laughs> where, uh, where'd that come from? <laughs> so we used to all go out together on a night out during the year, and there was a guy called Adam Boulder. Do you remember Adam Boulder? Adam Boulder, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he had a really squeaky voice. <laughs> so at the start of the night, he was the quietest person ever. <laughs> and then before long, you'd hear this little, get your rat out! <laughs> right? And it used to literally, I used to just start laughing all the time. So I just used to say to him, get your rat out. <laughs> but he had this, so he'd start from nothing. We'd have a nice meal and a nice, and as the night got on, you'd just hear this little squeak from somewhere. And I'd go, Adam Boulder's still out, lads. <laughs> <laughs> He's still out. But he used to say it all the time from nowhere. And he just, he just used to crack me up the way he said it. Uh there's um because obviously like you know I've, I work at Radio Dob and he's been doing some commentaries recently like the odd the odd ones and we, he, he did one and he randomly uh, came upon this game where it was Derby scored last minute at Norwich it was four three it was like a thrilling game and he just went you beauty like, yeah, just like that. You, yeah right so he used to say get your rat out <laughs> so you can imagine him now can't you saying it yeah like a, a squeak in his voice aren't it brilliant oh that's absolutely that's class. See, I love that. I love that. It's got a story to it. I didn't just say it for it was all year round. So on a night out, where he would just from nowhere, I wouldn't even see him. You just hear it. That's quality. And I, and I've interviewed like I spoke to you quickly before of like people from generations. I think your generation of football, not necessarily the last, but Joe, the stories like that, you don't, they're becoming less and less. And I love that. I love them. That's what people love listening to. That that story of like the team spirit and having the crack and everything. They're brilliant. Yeah, we've- yeah, but the thing is, I don't think people are more educated now on performance, you know, and, mm. the, you know, the, the, go to yoga. I, I believe in that. Gone are those days. It's the extra 5% now, an extra 2%. Drink mm. your water. Make sure you're hydrated. Uh, rest up when you can. Do some yoga. Do Pilates. Do some extra in the gym. Not too much, but do do the little bits that give you that extra. And back back then, 10, 15 years ago, it was, it was always changing. Mm. And now it's really focused on performance to the to the detail going into the the Premier League season and obviously the shirt that's that's behind me yeah. um I went again I went to every game of, of that season and as a young lad it was still a brilliant season for me to go to the Emirates and Liverpool what was it like for you and and what do you think kind of didn't click in that season what in your mind what do you think was the uh, I enjoyed it like you I was a kid as well at that time. I was like 28, a kid still. I know you were a, you were a real kid, but in, in my terms, I was a kid just going to Anfield and playing football. We just weren't good enough. That's it. It's, it's not, not rocket science. You've mm. only just scraped getting up. Uh, you've gone up with a squad that's just formed together and you think you're going to compete in the Premier League. You're going to compete in the Premier League if you get people from the Premier League to come and help you out. And because we'd only just scraped up there, no one's going to come and help you out because they know what's going to happen. Them themselves as an individual, as an individual product who wants to play at top flight, they, their product will just devalue as themselves. So they're up there. They want to come and help Derby County stay up. No, because of the history of the last season. They've only just scraped up. They're not going to be advised to go and play for Derby County. That's it. And we needed, we needed six or seven of them. And you doesn't matter how much money you've got you could have you could offer someone 30 million quid to go there they're going to look at the club they're going to look at the status they're going to look at the the performance of the team and they're going to go well hang on a minute are they they good enough to stay up 
Because if they're not good enough to stay up, I'm not going to go there. I'd rather stay where I am. And that's as simple as it is. That's what I thought. I thought whoever takes the job is going to have a struggle to try and get the players in. What Was it difficult for you as a goalkeeper? I know you're saying you was enjoying it like I was going to the, it's all new experiences, but going to like places like Anfield and six goals and, and maybe going places thinking we're probably going to get a few up us today? I never thought we'd go to places getting getting thumped. Do you know what I mean? I, mm. I, I was dead positive. I was like, cool, right, I'm playing against Dirk Kite or whatever, Liverpool or Torres. Dirk Kite actually said to me when I was playing, you're shit. That's what he said to me. We got six nil down. I got the ball in my hands and he just come up to me, you know, to close now. You're shit. And I said, I don't care, mate. I don't care. We're having a go. You know what I mean? But that's what people, other teams must have thought about us. But you're on another level now. We weren't as good as them. And um, yeah, he just, he was right. We were shit compared to them. You know, I don't, I don't mean to be yeah, swept. say it there, do you? But it's, it's, nah, he just, it's just one of them things. But even people saying that to me, it didn't get me down. It didn't get me anything. All it did was, what can I do next week? Mm. If I can, if I've let in six, I might let in five, but I'm going to be better than I was. And it was just about being on a stage where just Premier League, wasn't it? it was, so I don't think there was anything negative. We went up too soon, but once you go up, what are you going to do? Say we're not good enough. No, you're going to say I'm having a go. And that's why I said, I'm going to have a go. I came back fitter from in the preseason. I came back stronger. I came back to a level where I knew, because I'd been growing up at West Ham, that you should be at. You should be at that professional, fully committed level. So, yeah, I, I, I knew what it took to be in the Premier League from seeing people, from playing a few games, and but seeing people how they are professionally. And... Uh, we had the team spirit, we had all the professionalism, but we just didn't have the talent because you have to have the talent as well as the, the team spirit. It's, you know, that, that level, there's athletes that are, are talented. Mm. Whereas the championship, you've got athletes not so talented. Then when you get down the levels, you've got not so real athletes with not so real talent, but they're all right. And then you get even lower and it's like, they're just all right at football. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, it's pretty, it's, as yeah. you go down, the, the the standard drops in the physicalities, the the natural. I believe in um, the natural physique as well, and the 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 more you go, the more of a racehorse you are. And you know, you if you stand in a tunnel at Man U when I was uh, in that Premier League season and stuff, they're all six foot three, they're all six foot two, they're all like really slim, but you don't see that on the TV. Mm. You think they're all different, sh- but. Like racehorses, you see, you go there and you see them, you actually understand that they're trained, they're naturally good, and they're talented. You know what I mean? And it's it's how to get the uh, the best players together. And, and the Premier League is just a different animal. But I was aware of that. So was everybody else. Can you do anything about it? No. You just do your best, don't you? You know, I'm, I'm reading that. I was reading that. Uh, is it Jake Paul and uh, Floyd Mayweather? They're having a boxing match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? There's levels in there. You know, you can hype yourself up. You can do have all the confidence, but boils down to it, talent. He ain't got the talent of a, of a you know what I mean? Yeah. Talent that just takes over. He could be fit. This he could be strong. He could be got not the technique. He's not trained, and he's not. He's not. It's just these levels in there. You know. Ronaldo to the rest of the world, Messi to the rest of the world. It's just levels, and it's literally the levels. And we weren't, we weren't 
we didn't have that level and that's what I boiled it down to there's no excuses with, with your attitude of, of how you approached everything though in, in the Premier League did it hurt when you came out of the side I got injured on my um, I got injured on my collarbone and then I um, that's the when I when I came out of the team and yeah I was always a team player so it wasn't my decision whether I played or not I was always ready mm. I was like my attitude don't expect anything but be prepared for everything so I am literally prepared to play no matter what because I've done the right things during the week. Um, and it's not my decision. I play for the club I'm at. Yeah. So I never took things anything personal. I just thought, you know what, if you don't want to pick me, no problems. Who's in goal? Right? How can I do? What can I do to help you? What can I do? You know, we need to win anyway. <laughs> Whether I'm playing or not, I want to be part of a team that wins. So that was my attitude. You know, some people, oh, I was... I was gutted. And what are you gutted for? You've got a teammate there who's playing. What are you gutted for? Sort yourself out. You should be happy that you've got a good job, you've got a good living, you've got a good life, and you've got a good focus as well. You know, you've got focus, you've got a game, you've got three points to try and get for the club, for the team, for everyone. So, you, um, we, we mentioned earlier your, your um, friendship with Pesh that was obviously from the season before and, and Pesh left the club. You developed another good, close friendship with Robbie Savage. Yeah, my roommate. Yeah, well, yeah, he's still still close to Sav now. Very good. Yeah, I live uh, I live near him, and we talk all the time. And uh, yeah, he's a he was a very good roommate as well. He was he's a different character. He was very um, he wanted to be loved and wanted to be liked. And on the pitch, he wasn't really liked because he the kind of player he was. He had he had good banter, and he was he would wind people up with his with his aggression and his tackling and his the way he could get out about a pitch and. He just literally got every ounce of talent out of his body. And people respect that because he could run and he was determined and he was a winner. So, and he wanted the best for the club as well. He was very much a team player. You know, all these good players, all the best players, are all team players mm. with an individual's um, animal inside them. You know, you're all animals inside you that, that in, you know, if you're in a pack where everyone's pulling together, you're going to take over the jungle. And that's what it was, really. Uh, we've, like I say before, we've had quite a few on it, uh, players that played. Obviously, you stayed on under um, Nigel Clough, and so did Robbie Savage. Um, how did you find Nigel Clough and, and playing on championship? Because with your attitude, I'm sure you would have uh, got on got on well and and performed well under him. Yeah, I got on well with him, and then he, and then um, he needed to change the club around, freshen it up a bit. So uh, he didn't see him in his plans. So uh, I got on well with him. He was he was all right. He was just. Did you yeah. not take that personally? Or I don't like take it personally. It's business, isn't it? Yeah, it's business. It's literally if you don't want me, what I'm going to do? Sit there and do nothing. I'll just try. I'll go and find a club. It's fine. So yeah, he had to get people out to get people in and balance the books and do all that. And that's the business side of it. And yeah, I, I did well for him. I kept myself fit, kept myself focused, and um, yeah, it just. Didn't work out for him, and it didn't work out for the club, did it? When it should have done, there was there was too much for him to sort out. Uh, to be honest, he had a lot to sort out uh, regards with getting the the masses of people that were already in the club out to get his people in. You know, the actual squad, the size of the squad, because you go from Championship, and we pushed in the January to get up into the Premier League. Then once in the Premier League, you try and add to the squad, and then January adds to the squad again. Then you don't do so well and you've got these players, these players, you've got all the players and he's had to come in to get rid of them to then bring his own in. It's hard. It takes time. 
And in that time, I played and then I didn't play and then I, uh, I, I moved on, which is fine. Well, did you not have to think twice? Obviously, this is I've asked for questions for you on social media and stuff and people did ask about, obviously, you being leaving the club under Clough and then going to play for Clough at, at Burton. Was that, did you not have to think twice to go and, and go and play under him again? No, because I knew what it was like. He could manage players and uh, he knew I was talented and I could do a job for him and I knew how he could manage players and I wanted to work for someone who's, who was on the level that I wanted to be to be to play under and to basically give my everything to to him to to Clough at, um, at Burton. I came back from India, and the funny thing was uh, Barnsley were interested in signing me, and because uh, I know Lee Johnson from being at Derby came to Derby, yeah, yeah, and they were nineteenth in the league, and Burton were interested. And I thought I'll go with Burton, but they both got promotion that league, so whichever one I'd have gone for, I'd have been all right anyway. <laughs> but uh, yeah, there was no, you know you get to a stage where you want to play football and then you want to play football for who you want to play football for. Mm. And, uh, and that's the stage I was at when I got back from India, I wanted to play football for, for the, for the manager really. And the club who who will, who will want to play for. When you eventually come to retire, someone who loves a game and the passion of the last 55 minutes has come through massive, even though you probably know in you, in yourself, it's time. Is it still difficult to make the decision and say, I've got to retire? No. No, no, not for me, not for me. Because I remember when you sh- I, I've been amongst people who have retired, right? And they always say you have to have something to do when you retire. Because that's when you go from a person who's in a, in a, in a, in a, in a system where you're told what to do, what to eat, where to be, to then you're on your own. And it's like a shock for some people. But if you've got something to do, I was lucky. I found a business partner who wanted to build a brand with, and uh, that gave me a focus. And it got to a point where, Stephen, you need to focus on this now if you want another career in it. And I just wanted to give my everything into my other career. And I was honest. I was totally honest with Nigel Clough. I said, I'm kind of busy with my brand, but I want to be there for the for the team and, and the club who supported me, like Burton. I got on with the chairman. Uh, so I said, I don't want to pay. Don't pay me any money. And I'll be there for, if you need me for training or for, for games. But I need to do this for myself for after football, and he allowed that because he knows I'm fit and I'm disciplined and I'm good and I, and I can I can turn up and I can play and I can do well for him. He allowed that, so I saw him doing that to Robbie Savage because he would allow Rob uh, Robbie Savage to go and do his presenting after a match. So he would let let him take his car to away games. He'd let him have like a Tuesday afternoon off to go and play, uh, go and do some commentary. So I was lucky that I came back from India. I chose Nigel Clough because of the way he managed players. Wasn't thinking when I retire, he'll be able to manage me out of football, but it worked out well. I've got a beautiful brand that I'm making and I'm putting my passion as, as a footballer into the brand. And it was just time to retire. I now appreciate the uh, the football that I watch, the youngsters that I coach. And I want to pass on my knowledge to those to, to say, do you know what? If you do this a little bit like this, you're going to give yourself the best chance. I was talking to a six, uh, under-16s goalie on about two weeks ago. I said, I know it's hard for you, but are you doing any press-ups at home? No. I said, do some press-ups at home. He said, all right. And a week later, I went, are you doing your press-ups at home? He said, yeah. I do three lots of 10 times three a day. I said, good. I said, that little bit of inner strength and your core in that lot, it will stand you in good stead for when you're full-time in two years' time. So I used to do the press-ups and I used to do the... But it's so simple. But for someone, for me, from my experience, to say to him, do it, right? Then I said to him, 
go and get a fitness program for when you're indoors in your house off the fitness guy. Saw him, said, have you done that? He went, no. I said, you know what? You're letting yourself down if you don't do that. Go and see him, get a fitness program, 20 minutes and do it. Anyway, he's doing this, but he doesn't realise how much of a benefit it is to him until in two years time when he feels great when he's 18. So if I can do that and give back and have my own business as well, then, that, then I'm, I'm living life great from football. I don't miss playing it. Uh, I want to help people in it. I want to teach people from the mistakes I've made. Um, yeah. So it's good. Any regrets? No, I've got no regrets in football at all in my life. I've just, if no, no, I was lucky. I was lucky. I got, I had some bad injuries. Uh, I was taken care of and I was lucky to meet who I, who I met, all the players, all the people, all the supporters, all the clubs. I've had a great career and I, I've, I've loved every minute of it and, uh, and I've, I've always appreciated everything I've got. And uh, I'm a team player. And the biggest thing is you've got to be a team player. If you're not a team player, you won't last long in life in anything you do if you don't want to pull together with the people around you. And that's why I'm surrounded by good, solid people, good, solid characters. And that's the way to be in life. Whether, and if you don't get on with someone, it doesn't matter. You can still respect what they, what they offer you, but you don't necessarily have to mates you can just respect people and that's what i've learned you respect all these different attitudes every different cultures different ideas you bring it all in and then you digest and you and you use whatever you can i used to watch david james do his weights and i learned from him you know what i mean he was an animal on the on the weights he was so strong and powerful and I, you know from a young age i had to do that i had to do the yoga and it made me stand it stood me in good stead for when i'm still playing at 38 40. It's been incredible. I hope you can appreciate how much of a, a big deal it is to get you on. Um, and, no, and it's not. You, you know, you, you said you want to go on. I said, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, I, but I, mean, for me as, I mean, for me, I mean, for me as a, as a Derby fan. Oh, yeah, cool. oh thank you. Yeah. Goalkeeper. That's what I meant. Not a big deal. Like, I mean, like for me to be like, oh, it's a big deal for me as well. It's a big deal for me. You've asked me, I'm on it. I'm on it. Yeah, I'm in. <laughs> big deal for me. you got my shirt on there. That's brilliant. First person who got someone to see my shirt. Yeah. Can I sign it or not? Yeah, yeah. Thank you, I see it. Two, two right. Yeah, two there you go. I think that was the Arsenal. We, we got B7-0 by Arsenal with that shirt on, I think. I think it was, <laughs> I it's covered in mud, I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> There's no mud on that pitch. That, that pitch doesn't do mud, the Emirates. Before we before we finish, we started a new thing. It started by Lee Carsley, randomly. It's called Pass the Mic. So because I'm running, I've done like 89 episodes now, I'm running out of contacts. So... We're asking you to like recommend someone next door that you could maybe get us in touch with. It would be good to come on. Oh, have you done well? <laughs> have you done like Stevie Howard and that lot? Uh, not done Stevie Howard, no. He's a good one, isn't he? Yeah, that'd be class. Yeah, Stevie Howard, do you want his phone number? Yeah, that'd be brilliant, mate. Good, I'll do that. Yeah, Stevie Howard, there you go. Hey, nice. you know, who do you want? Sav. Sav, oh, okay. Do you want me to get Sav to do it? I'll Can get Sav to it? Do it. I'll, I'll ask him to do it, yeah. Uh, he might not be able, he's a busy he's a busy fellow but if he does it mate that'd be class go on then we, see if you don't ask you don't get so I'm going to go and ask him nice one mate, if you get me Sav uh, I don't know what I'll, I'll come and I'll sell hats for you on, 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 on the market in Derby when you're done <laughs> no they, they're too good for them I'm telling you they're too good they're too I can't be throwing them away I can't be throwing them they've got to be packaged perfectly you know what I mean you, you have to you have to hand them over they're that good you can't be throwing them in the market you know what I mean hand them over there yeah that's alright but don't be throwing them all right, so nice one for that, mate. It's been absolutely brilliant. I'll send you my address so I can start wearing a hat when I'm on Zoom. 
and um, having a joke in. Uh, no, I will do. I will do. I want you to listen. Do you know what will happen if you do you wear caps? Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, right. You will get my cap and you will appreciate the actual quality of it. I promise you, promise mate. You. No, well, if you do, oh, that's class, mate. That's promise class. I'll do it definitely 100%. Listen, remember what Les Seeley said. If, you if you're going to do something, do it. You've got to do it. That's it. Mate, you was my hero growing up. I don't want to lick your ass too much because we're going to go now, but it's been absolutely class, mate. Thank you very much. Cheers. Cheers, Cheers Stevie. Nice one, mate. Cheers, pal.